have you started have you started notice things like where they put bacon and stuff for no reason because that's that's the thing that was the revelation to me i'm like oh i'll have one of the oh it's got bacon in it why is it got bacon in it i i just noticed that the deli counter always discounts bacon when i decide i'm gonna get any this week I've yes. got to get over this mind trick of, oh, they've discounted oven chips. That must mean there's some secret fault wanted to buy oven chips, which is strange because I'm pretty much atheist to all intents and purposes. So suddenly foreseeing that the universe wants me to consume oven chips is a bit self-serving. Righto. So I thought as a little warm-up before the main course, we would record our metasode. Um, of course. Which, which obviously, um, in the do- two dudes chatting... Um, Format. Format. Yes. Yes. Uh, we've already started recording and just needs an edit. So that's cool. This is not an episode. Right, okay, so uh, the way that I thought we would approach this metasode uh, is uh, that I, I wrote a big note on the card I put in, Trello. I did. I, I saw your note. I, ha- I, have, I have conversational responses to the note. Ah, exactly. So I thought the best way that uh, we might tackle this is uh, to go paragraph by paragraph and see if we have any input. It's a little bit, it's going to be a format that's somewhat akin to someone sending you an email and then you inserting your text in blue in between what they've written. Oh, welcome to Revenge of the Eighties Kids, where we send ourselves mail to read. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly, well, in fact, that'll become germane to the discussion as we as we proceed, so... Uh, also, I, that's me, says I wrote the card. Okay, everybody, I'm sorry, I don't want to confuse anyone. I've listened to a few podcasts recently where people just, like, start talking. And it's, like, it's fine, but I think we like beginning, middle, and end, whereas they like all middle, and I just, I can't. I just even can't. So, yes, I wanted to do a metasode about the show as the main show, not the metasodes, and the way it's going, and the future ahead. Uh, I did already put a thing on my blog, and the key quote being, podcasts are supposed to spawn a web of in-jokes, which we have done, correspondence, not so much, and helping each other. Now, by each other there, I mean we as the podcasters, and you as the audience. So the audience helps the podcasters get better at what they do, which is a thing that we have not hitherto had much luck with. It is imperative, I believe, for the future of the cast. It becomes more of a community thing. So this metasode will be all about that and how we might achieve it. Uh, so, yes, that's my opening. Do we have any comments from the floor? Uh, no, it's fine. Um, I think uh, my feelings prior to this, in terms of generally how the podcast went, was it would have been jolly nice to have an audience when we were doing our initial 116 episode run. Uh, and post that where we're just doing like 
you know, basically in batches, 12 episodes a year, it's like, well, now we're basically podcast emeritus and we really are just doing it for ourselves now, aren't we? And sometimes it's like, once you're in the swing of it and you're making it, it has a certain creative momentum. But certainly when the email comes from Leo and says, you know, we should do some more episodes, there's an initial kind of, uh, right, okay, how do I do this again? Where's my enthusiasm? I had it around here somewhere. And I think that's exactly it. And I think we've got it backwards a bit in that our first 116 episode run, we really were doing it for ourselves because we had like a big chart of things to tick off. And then we filled in between doing the main, you know, thread with other stuff that we picked up and we ran with. And the reason why we kind of came back and went, let's take it easy and just do one show a month, essentially, although in little spurts of you know, having seasons, is because we wanted to start growing back into because we no longer have the big chart, the big roadmap of where we're going. Uh, we, we kind of are continuing our review of years, but there are a lot less years left to cover. And so, therefore, hmm, not so much. Um, so I think, yeah, now is the time. And the reason why we wanted to start it low is because... We are in a place where we have less time to commit and we don't want to burden the audience. Yeah, we're doing it for you guys. We're putting mm -hmm. out less content for you because we want you to be able to feel that... I mean, I, I listen, I'm a big listener to Kermode and Mayo. Never written into the show. Never really felt the need to write into the show. Um, got a Facebook comment that I put on there, what's the movie of the week thing, read out two weeks ago, much to my surprise. And do you know what I discovered? Uh, you had an initial dopamine uh, hit of joy and pleasure, which then mellowed out, and then in retrospect, you realised your life was hollow and empty? Uh, kind of. I realised that my Facebook comments need better copy editing due to the fact that Simon Mayo had to read it about three times. You could hear him... He did, read it once, but you could hear him stopping and starting to kind oh of get the God. sense of it. That was the height of your life of watching this podcast, and finally you read something out and it's all garbled and messy and it just ruined the entire experience. <laughs> and what should have been a joyous experience for you is now this thing that makes you cringe with humiliation. You haven't listened to Mayo, Mayo and Commode ever since out of deep shame and embarrassment. No, that's not true. I was just like, mm. I mean, it made sense, but I was like, I mean, essentially... If Simon Mayo had been in a position to do so, he said, Leo, you can write this stuff, but you sure can't say it. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it was, it, yeah, it just, yeah, no, okay. So we, we did that, uh, and that was a thing that happened. Um, and I listened to that. I've never really actually actively written to the show. I passively commented on something, and it happened to get picked up, and that's the extent. But the reason is because I'm often in a position of catch-up. I'm like... I'm listening for months ago, and like therefore, by the time my comment is ready to come out, the month the show's six months dead. So you know that's one of the things. It's like it would be nice if. The other thing I have noticed is that there are quite a few podcasts who are podcasts and they put out episodes occasionally, much the same as we do. But boy, do they bang that social media and memes and stuff like that. So I think that's possibly something we could talk about later on, is like hitting the social media a bit harder. I think that the way that um, the podcast part of it works is that that's like a little extra special, like let's make an effort and listen to the podcast bit. But then the other bit of it 
is like doing social media and trying to get people involved that way and that's probably the main part and it's something you kind of do in a spare five minutes uh, so let's move on to the next paragraph first of all let's tackle we are not critics and how we count the ways um ian it might be best for you to recap your position on not being a critic first of all what when we first first started this podcast um you know i thought the format was going to be uh you know i occasionally pose a question but by and large i'm just there to kind of attempt to create create curate the audience through uh, you talking at length about something because uh, i didn't feel i had very much to offer myself in fact i said well you know i'm not I'm not a, a critic i'm not a deep analysis person i'm just a I'm just a consumer and so i was so i was like i i movie comes out i stick it in my mouth i chew it and i go hmm there's a bit minty and and that's pretty much my contribution mainly i'm the post-production guy you're the pre-production guy we meet in the middle here and this is the the, the hot flash of chemicals reacting yeah i think i think you've got uh, made one good point there which is that um my favorite oh, comment of yours point your comment favorite comment about it is, is you're you're a consumer of culture not you know not a, a critic not a reviewer of culture you just like what's really interesting is when we get you talking about star trek movies then you're a critic um <laughs> god, god yes <laughs> but i could i could talk to you about the final battle in undiscovered country is is, is like a rematch between king kong monsters my goodness yeah there but uh, but yeah and and i think that's the thing I think that critics are critics every day of the week, whereas regular people are just critics about things that they have a particular liking for. The other thing that I've noticed recently, because there's that thing, isn't there, the critic movie, which we've never really talked about, except to say that we think they're a bit silly. Yeah, or that it's like... It, I, I've well, always... well, the thing is, we live in dangerous times and we live in a, a minefield of blancmange, these days, they tend to be more like progressive messaging, like you know, you know, don't women have it hard, or more, you know, slavery, other issues like that. If you want to push those, uh, you know, the, the the sensitive agenda of of that is the the blancmange wars that we're fighting through in present time, and I feel that's more what uh, is uh, award bait or critic bait these days. Films get marked down for not being diverse enough. And films get marked up purely on the basis of diversity, uh, regardless of what the quality of what has actually been presented. Yeah, and there's more to it. Listening to two critics have a debate about whether a particular film was good or rubbish has turned into this thing where I've realised one of the reasons we're not critics is critics love visual storytelling. Um, and we can take it or leave it like there are moments of visual storytelling that are our nostalgia points and again we're not critics 24 7 and so sometimes we watch something well, and it might... it's not that we don't appreciate spectacle but you know i think ideas are what really gets excited i watched um here's a here's an example for you of how we're not critics i watched hereditary last night which you're probably never gonna watch right you've heard of hereditary i think we discussed it briefly last last year when we did our summer picks it was the big horror release that was in the middle of the summer with tony collette right okay and the advert made it look like it was going to be your proper old school 
invokes the 80s horror kind of this is this is it someone's found their way back to making a decent horror movie and let's not forget that earlier in that last year um and subsequently being one of the big earners was um a quiet place you must have heard of that one right yeah, about the uh, yes. people not making any noise or the monsters will get them. Watch both of them. I've, I've, I've seen it, yes. You've seen Quiet Place? I saw it. I, I did double, a double bill of Quiet Place and Bird Box. Uh, now, I realise this is a metasode and not an episode, but what did you think? We're going to talk about films now, just to be completely off topic of the non... Off, anyway, uh, what did you think of A Quiet Place? Um, it... Oh, it the, hmm. What do I think of it? I think I came away with it with, with some objections, which my nephew, because I saw it as on holiday at times, so my nephew came back, had visited the website, and answered most of my objections about, you know, how these aliens survive. <laughs> Once they've eaten all the people, how do they survive? Um, and how do they take over in the first place? Uh, it was. It's fine. Um, I suppose it was a, a bit obvious. You know, the first thing I thought was, well, if they got highly sensitive hearing, what does like very high pitched noises do to them? Someone should try that. Oh, it turns out no one tried that until they accidentally stumbled across it. Well, there we go. Um, it was fine. They played with the concept quite nicely. I thought. Right. Okay. Uh, you really can't make any noise at all, though, can you? Not one. Yeah. Single. Allow me to dismantle the, this. When she, once you get into that, how come they can't hear heartbeats and things like that? Yeah, how, let me well let me dismantle it further. First of all, the kid at the beginning uh, providing a little bit of uh, cheap scare value, right? Um, that kid was like six, maybe. Having a kid a third of that age, I can tell you, by the time they get to six, they know when to shut up. Okay, so at the beginning, I was like, well, that wouldn't happen. He wouldn't do that because he's old. Like four years to people. Well, the difference between two and six to someone who's got no kids or doesn't see their kids very often is not very much. But the difference between it to a parent is like the my, like my son is completely different now to the way he was a year ago. I see pictures of him a year ago. Oh, I remember then when you couldn't do a whole host of things you can do now. By the time they get to six, if you tell them and they're living. I mean, he's literally living in a world where he doesn't make any noise ever. And it's only because it's the first five minutes of the movie that we give it a pass that he would go, oh, I think I'll just put the batteries in this and make a bunch of noise despite the fact I've been told not to. Like, no, you've done that because it's convenient to your the way that you want the audience to learn stuff, not because it's actually something that that child would actually do second of all yeah that's really cute the way you've painted footprints all over the floorboards let me ask you how did you determine where to put them without getting eaten like that doesn't Break. like oh this bit squeak well. damn i'm dead we don't want to put paint there because it's squeak oh i'm dead third of all right they had a year between the kid dying and the next bit and the woman was pregnant at the beginning Apparently she was very not very pregnant at the beginning, and she was pregnant. It was a long time anyway. It wasn't like they'd been living that hard. It said specifically they'd been living there for a while, and yet in all that time they didn't think, hey, we could get some tannoy systems, put them in a field, um, surround it with like crossbows mounted up on something, or even just learn to shoot a freaking crossbow, and then we put on the tannoy so it makes a bunch of noise, yeah. 
and then when it turns up, we shoot it. Because there's, there's even a board that says there's three of them in the area. Do that three times, you've started the fight back. I mean, it just... It beggared belief how stupid and lazy the main characters were. And when your main characters are stupid and lazy, why should I care? So I hated it, to be honest. Um, and that's why I, I'm not a critic, because critics loved it. I, I did prefer Bird Box of the two, it has to be said. I mean, I, um, I haven't got... Yes, I probably did prefer Bird Box of the two, but only because that was just pointless, as opposed to insulting my intelligence. So, yeah. You know, my thought was like you know uh, these creatures are very nasty, and but but you know we've already figured out hey keep quiet we we can start planning stuff together, and it occurs to me that humanity would just start fighting back because goddamn it we're a territorial species. But but the um, point is that when critics go in, they go in with the are you telling me a story visually goggles on, and apparently it is, but I'm not tuned. I'm not. I'm not yeah a critic, yeah yeah. So and and they had a very great alarm system, but didn't have a very good plan for what to do when the event the alarm system went off. Like, did have some plan about go hither and thither? It's like, no. Anyway, yes, yes so, so yeah. I wasn't overly impressed myself. And hereditary, again, I, what was hilarious about that is that two critics had slightly different opinions on it and then had an argument about it. And I listened to the whole thing and then I watched the movie. I'm like, you're having an argument about like the color of the curtains when the house is on fire. This is what's happening. Like, the first hour and 20 minutes of the movie is just it's ridiculously slow unless you're a critic and you love visual storytelling and and part of it is it's been undermined by television and television having a golden age those television writers are like right we've got an hour to fill how can we pack as much character development and stuff like when it's on its game which is quite often these days so when you go into a movie watched by people who don't watch that much television and you're tuned to watching a lot of television because you watch a lot of netflix and you get that like what happens in that for now which is none of the characters talk to each other and it plays a lot of ponderous music and the camera kind of slides about the place like showing visual things and you're like, yeah, but television kind of has to do that now because everyone's got widescreen televisions. Plus, people actually have to talk to one another and establish what their characters are like. And you've just wasted an hour having all the ca- characters sitting on their own looking weepy and saying not very much, and particularly not to each other. So you have no idea what the nuts and bolts of their relationship are. So that when it all goes a bit weird, you don't care. I mean, that's just the beginning of it. There's so much wrong with that movie. In my opinion, but I'm not a critic, and critics kind of, even if they had a problem with it, they certainly didn't have the massive slate of problems yeah, well, I, I ended up having with it. It's it's, it's, it's common, common malaise these days as people feeling disconnected from the main media, I think. Yeah, but there we go. So, I mean, yeah, my, I think to summarise everything we just talked about in the We Are Not Critics camp is things like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna watch a film, and unless, I mean... For visual storytelling to be clever to me, it has to tell me a story without people saying anything. And a lot of this stuff really doesn't. And there's a whole language of cinema that I don't care about. And people talk about, critics talk about tropes and whether tropes were used. And then later on, they talk about whether they were used effectively. And I'm like, use a trope, use it mediocrely, but get from A to B. And that's my 
thing. And that's not a critic attitude. A critic attitude is avoid using a trope wherever possible. You can only get away with using a trope if it's really appropriate. And it's like it, it's like James Cameron thing. It's a mate's kid, a big fan of James Cameron. I really like more or less everything James Cameron has done. But you know, let's be honest. The, the guy has essentially taken things that have already done before, and all he's done with them is just given them a damn good polishing down. And in, to some extent, that's fine with me. I understand what my emotional through journey is supposed to be with his films, and I just kind of go along with it because he's kind of done a nice workman's job on it. Yeah, so I mean, this is the thing. It's like when it comes to the critical consensus, the way the critics tend to be at least in a sort of critical area because a lot of critics have some, uh, I mean, we have some notion of film studies. We've done courses on that, but I think they take it more to heart. Whereas I'm like, you know, ah, oh, that AVP Requiem, that wasn't as bad as people said. You know, that's that's where I am. So um, that's how we. The things I'm interested in about movies are not things that critics or critical commentators are interested in. And I think the key text on that is the two commentary tracks on The Matrix, where you've got philosophers who are not critics and critics who are not philosophers and see how they see the same thing from completely different points of view and what's fine is what's interesting is that the critics are still intelligent but they talk about the matrix movies from the point of view of just purely being movies and i don't think we've ever talked about any movie or cultural thing that we talked about purely from the point of it being a movie we always want to know where it fits specifically you know in the 80s or to someone who grew up in the 80s or whatever but it doesn't have to be that but i think critics try and divorce it a bit more from context yeah uh, this is the thing in your in your long note you wrote that i think most resonated with me yeah. Uh, because if we're not doing a weekly podcast, so we just don't have genuine momentum of people who are virtually watching us because they like us going on, if we're just going to do like a few episodes a year, the episodes we do do need to be like polished jewels. There needs to be like, you know, and, and, and what you were saying about, you know, if there's one thing I like doing, it's over analyzing something to the point that someone to tap me on the shoulder and say, I think you need to walk your way back out of this metaphor. Uh, and, I just I think we both enjoy sitting down and being far too beardy about something and taking it far more seriously than even the creator had. And also we'll draw in contexts from um, as if something was part of a series. We'll, we'll draw the character arcs over those films. We'll take the story as a whole over those films and we're always trying to put things in the, in the context of its own story. What does this mean? Da -da 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 -da. And I, I like that what we do. And I think, you know, rather than just be like, oh, we used to do a sort of general weekly waffling podcast that sometimes did reviews, but generally just talked about stuff. Is that, well, let's just talk about things in depth. Let's just be the guys that are known for like bearding out on a subject to such a degree that people want to listen to us just to hear where we explore these things. I think that's definitely, yes. Okay, so we can cut to the chase now. There's a whole bunch of paragraphs that we can skip straight over. Um, because, yeah, I think you've cut right to the heart of it there. My vision for what we do while we're doing this son broader community 
Um, and even when the community comes in, I think that, yes, you're right. I mean, I think it's very much about creating a specific community of people who find a home with us. And I've been uh, around all the 80s groups, and we're just not nostalgic enough for the 80s huh. groups. We're what do you mean? We've got a... We've got a Rubik's Cube as our logo. <laughs> I mean, these are groups where people just post a picture of Phoebe Cates in a bikini and go, hey, hey, ah, yeah, when you were like 13, that made you feel funny, didn't it? And that's the level of commentary. It's like, yeah, we've seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's great, yeah? But that's not commentary. And then it's like, huh. Remember Chip? It is, right, 80s groups are the memberberry groups that South Park was talking about. Member, oh, I member, yeah, I member. And it's like, no, okay. So although we are kids from the 80s, that's increasingly meaning we are kids who are old and not we are kids who unquestioningly think yeah. that everything from the 80s was <laughs> just neat. When Generation X was the hip, was the new hip kids that everyone was trying to market towards, yeah. well, that's not us anymore. No, no definitely not. We've uh, we've left that behind by like three generations or something. Uh, so yeah, in, in addition to that uh, point that we're in a different different demographic now, <clears throat> I still adhere to the point that there was something about movies made in the 80s that the movies before them didn't quite get there and the movies that followed them kind of moved away from it, dropped away very rapidly. Not to say that good movies didn't aren't being made now. I love a lot of movies that are being made now. But there's something about your 80s movie which has a particular quality that is not replicable. And that's what we grew up in. That is the, as you put it, the cultural soup that we came from. However, in an 80s group, that translates to, oh, them Chuck Norris straight-to-DVD movies, straight, sorry, straight-to-video movies, oh, wow, and then posting a picture of a VHS cassette and going, show this to a kid these days, they wouldn't know what it was, oh, like that. And you're like, yeah, I remember, but what's what What do you want me to say? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, and, and that's the thing. We have, so we do have an 80s angle but i don't think that that's quite enough anymore um and your beardy thing that's what i was i was like if we want a community rather than being like yeah we're another 80s podcast not that there are many 80s theme podcasts because honestly if there were and it was just two dudes going oh remember that it was awesome yeah Look at my picture of Heather Locklear. Oh, wow, I remember her. She's old now. Like that. Yeah, then I don't think it'd have many listeners, really. I mean, I'm not sure, but I think that's probably not quality content. So what is the quality of our content? You've identified it, Beardy. So when I come to research, like, I'm still, we're still going to do, like, what's going to happen in the box office this summer because the the vagaries of what the audience the mass audience wants to spend their money on is still interesting because last year the answer was quiet place and crazy rich asians much to everyone's surprise but um i mean yeah okay so the obvious things made a bunch of money as well but after the obvious things the next things that will happen were crazy rich asians and a quiet place so there we go um, and then later in the year, Queen Biopics. 
Yeah, sorry, you which had I, which, a... which, which, which I've been avoiding seeing. Um, yes, it's just things like the things that we like discussing. Like you sat down and worked out the Doctor Who's character arc over all these regenerations. That's something I appreciate, obviously. But it's things like I talked about how Tron Legacy is a metaphor for, uh, you know, Paradise Lost in a funny sort of way. You know, it's it's little things like um, that, that kind of, I, I this sort of really, because I'm not, because he's like, you say you want to have a philosophical um, undertone, well, I don't, a, a philosophical approach, rather. Overtone. Uh, <laughs> Overtone, no, a philosophical, yes. Uh, and it's like, well, I'm not really trained in philosophy. No. And you can probably argue me under the table, even with a very bad reading of postmodernism. Um, all I can really do is go, I, I think you need a swift kick in the bollocks, sir, because I think you've lost touch with reality. Well, I think, yes, yes, I think that is exactly the point. I mean, one of the reasons why Komodo Mayo pays off, and one of the reasons why Infinite Monkey Cage pulls off, is because you have the contributor, and that would be me, and you have the host, and that would be you. And uh, and you're having microphone problems. Yes, and you that would be you, he said. The host knocking over his microphone for the second time. Oh, it has to My be said. My got tangled from the cord. <laughs> it has to be said. It, even at that pinnacle of shiny pinnacleness, Komodo Mayo, Mark sometimes gets a little overexcited and starts banging the desk. And that's at the BBC, so I think we can afford a couple. Uh, <laughs> It's just like, you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that having this... Yes, so I think when we have a, a clear agenda, that's where the show is at its best, which is why it's so easy uh, for us to do a predictions and roundup show for the summer of that year, because the agenda is very clear, and I think we've refined that format from its original place that I ripped it off from, because they did, they just was like, what's going to be the biggest film of the year, and what's a, you know, going to be the top ten movies of the summer, and they would look at all the movies and put them in an order of ten and then get it wrong. Whereas I've refined it down to, no, we're going to go by genre, because comparing apples and oranges isn't helping anyone, and there's, like, why, you know, when you talk about summer horror movies, that's a thing. They release some horror movies in the summer in the hope that people will dole out some money to see them as counter-programming. But they're never going to make the top ten, like, really. I mean, I don't think even A Quiet Place made the top ten, but it still made a bunch of money. So things that make a bunch of money are different. It's relative. And we need to split it down that way. So I think that's a good format. But then on other times, we don't want to go... Like, we did a show about reboots and a show about nostalgia and so on and so forth, sort of cultural studies kind of topics. I've got a bunch of stuff sitting around about philosophy. And, you know, when we did our Matrix review in the 90s, we just kind of went a bit like, you know, well, you edited the beginning to make it sound like we'd uh, all been... Uh, uh, smoking crap inhaling yes. something yeah exactly uh, because that's what it was because we didn't nobody went away and went oh you know we're going to watch the Matrix we're going to watch that documentary about the philosophy behind the Matrix then look up some of the concepts they talk about and then be able to come in with sort of a cogent breakdown of which pieces of philosophy they hit in we just kind of freestyled it and that obviously ends up sounding like you've uh, you've been partaking of the devil's uh, lettuce so you know it's yes. <laughs> I mean so you know, you were strong that day. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, well, man, movies are like pictures on a screen, but are they really in our head? Yeah, and so I, I think that very, very um, clearly, 
it would be better if we approached things like that and just were unashamed. Like, if you're coming into this show, then we are going to talk about, uh, you know, or I am going to talk about philosophy, and then you're going to pull me up and say, steady on, chap, or that's very intriguing. Could you explain further? You're you're the beardy philosopher person who has a Discordian blog, and he's very, very deep about a lot of things. Um, I, I think I'm a lot more... Um, literal-minded about most things. Uh, but it's interesting how your friends see you and how you see yourself. We used to do, like, skits and sketches, and we'd have, like, you know, sketch, our personalities inside a sketch. And Justin was quite mercenary, and you were an excitable buffoon about the adventure. And when I was writing myself, I'd kind of write myself as this, as this petty, child-minded uh, fantasist. But when you wrote me, you wrote me is this really kind of he's so jaded by the tropes and the genres that he's beyond eye rolling when they start inflicting themselves upon us in our sketches and it's really strange because I think oh my god that really is me because I find it very hard to watch Netflix series because it's like do I have to start something new oh I don't know if I can be bothered Yes, I think that's definitely a, uh, a... Yes, I can see that. So, yes, I think that's... In a way, then, the purpose of the show going forward will be to take things um, that well that you may, you may not even have seen. Um, in fact, it probably work better when you haven't seen them. And then kind of try and freshen them up. I think that's probably well, one of the reasons why... I think if there's, if, there's, if there's a discussion coming up, I should see it. So I well, you know what I mean, uh, but what I mean is... swords with you. Yes, what I mean is that in that jaded persona, just taking culture as a whole and that tropishness and trying to get, trying to sort of uh, zhuzh it up, as it were, trying to just make it so that you don't feel, oh, it's all the same. And, and, and you know, I see things in very weird perspectives and i think that's part of the the joy of these conversations and if we make it specifically about that joy and try and foster in you an approach to these uh, artifacts where you're not thinking i'm bound to be disappointed like by this in an eorish kind of fashion then that'll be a job well done yeah so i think that's pretty much no, that's fine no I'm, I'm fine with this kind of kind of because if you're going to make, make your episodes a polished diamond, it's, it's like each of which people, when it appears on people's feeds, like, oh my god, they've done another episode, I don't know what about to listen to it, then, you know, we've really got to hunker down on, on, on our details and just laser right in on one particular subject and just beat it to death when we do it. And find an interesting angle to do, talk things about. There's no point us coming in and going, there was a very good film, very good performances, I felt very satisfactory overall. What is the point? What is What on earth is the point? Yeah, so I think, and the other thing is as well... Maybe if we were getting paid. Yeah, when we have event episodes as well like that, um, I think that it's going to be easier to spread them about because uh, me, uh, way back in time, uh, to the extent where we're actually considering a redux, Sue and I did a tarot podcast, which wasn't really a tarot podcast as much as it was a freestyle tarot book in audio form 
which we didn't write. We just had a conversation and referred to the various tarot cards we had in front of us. And we just went through all the cards and had a conversation about what they meant and did all this stuff and talked about it. There was an introduction episode and a and a and an afternote episode. And then it just we just stopped doing it because we'd kind of covered that topic. And I think that's pretty much... And it's much easier to point to people in the direction of something where it's like, this is about this. Whenever I give people uh, links back into our podcast, it's like because they've just gone on a massive one about, you know, Robin Williams or Patrick Swayze. You go, yeah, you're going to want to check this out. Um, just, you know, and very rarely, weirdly, I mean, you know, I know you're going to be amazed by this, do people go... Ah, uh, you know what? I was really thinking about 1983 the other day, and think, well, well, have I got the show for you? Um, no, they don't do that. But you know, when we've done a sort of a topic like that, sometimes you do get to make a referral. And so, what I'm kind of saying is, to increase our referral ability, that's where we should be. So that's that's us anyway. And I think we're pretty much in tune on that, which is good news. Um, from the other side of that, and I can return to the the note here, um, I, the last two paragraphs kind of go, we have always been beardy. And that is true, so you see the, the what we've just said for that. And all our new approach will do is cement our position as the beardy film podcasters. So um, the good news is um, it's coming up to April and I will actually grow a beard at that point for the hay fever. So there won't be any worries there. I'll make sure all of my new photographs have the beard front and centre. And then I'll send you a bit to Photoshop over your own face because, you know, you might no, not no, be... I, I, I ain't going to buy myself a beard, but it's going to be a nice bushy one. <laughs> I want my best Brian Blessed beard. Um, in association with this... I think, that is me, Leo, thinks we need to be out and about on our social media a bit more because uh, the, a couple of podcasts I know, they don't really come across as like the pages of podcasts. They come across as just another one of these Facebook page meme factories. And um, I've experimented with this. I did a month-long cyberpunk quiz once uh, when uh, it was a very cyberpunky month. This time last year, February was cyberpunk popping out all over the shop. Uh, and that was all right. Some people really liked that. But I think we do need to get that soundbite attraction to get people to like the page and make our content more shareable. So that's what I'm, you know, I think that's, and you know, just try and pull people in. But our, our meme production should be on that beardy side. I posted up one on Facebook this morning on my own personal feed with a quote from Philip K. Dick talking about uh, the creation of multiple realities and how we're all being like, like basically when we ask what, when Philip K. Dick is writing stories about what is real, what he's doing is saying, well, we're bombarded every day with dozens of conflicting realities from like all the different types of media and all the people with agendas and so what i'm really doing is just saying don't trust that man you know like you have to decide what's real which is in line with a lot of my discordian thought um and that's the kind of meme i'm talking about where people will be like whoa dude mind blown so yeah not just like you know such 80s, much nostalgia, wow. Yes, and here I am, the little watering can of tepid water. 
Well, I mean, we need the, we need those in jokes as well. Maybe somehow rendered as memes. I mean, we need a copy of that blah 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 change my mind meme but we need to replace the guy's head with yours um, just like keep milling them out and stuff like that so yeah it's, it's fine uh, so so yes and to final paragraph we're asking this is what we are asking is anybody out there and if the answer after a bit of trying this new approach is silence we're probably going to have to conclude the answer is no and maybe think about shutting up the shop on a more permanent basis. Because there's other... I mean, not that we would... not. I think there's a possibility that we would still do stuff, but it wouldn't be the podcast, um, which is kind of what we said last time we backed out of it all. Um, but it might be a different podcast, or we might come at it a different way, or we might do something altogether different, you know. Um, but I think Revenge of the 80s Kids might have to disappear into the great wild yonder if it doesn't become a thing that that is in the centre of something because we work too hard on it for it not to be like at least if we got like four fans that'd be enough yeah I mean oh god how humble our goals have become well you know look look I find our conversations interesting I'm sure someone else out there would love to find them interesting it's just a question of like sometimes are we just waffling because we had a contractually ob- obligated hour-long conversation per week we had to have, or, or should we, or should we have a more, more directed heat-seeker missile uh, conversation about things where we really burrow into something with just this alarming depth and come out the other side thinking we've altered the fabric of reality? I think I think what, we should do the latter. Yes, what I've discovered about uh, content and producing content is that. You know, content is a communication with the audience. And despite the fact that we've lucked into becoming a thing, unless you go and actually listen to all the shows, you don't understand what that thing is. But in order to attract new listeners, you have to be communicating with them in the spirit of that thing which you are which is kind of difficult because I'd say up to this point, describing succinctly what the 80s kids revenge of the 80s kids is pretty difficult um per se and i just want to make it much much easier say look it's a film podcast but it's like really pretentious and beardy (laughs) so if that sounds like your thing then you come along and do that um, and that's it. The thing is, let right, us be your guilty pleasure. Yes, let us be the fact that you, you, if you think you overthink about films, you haven't heard us. Okay, <laughs> and that that is our strapline. <laughs> yes, and when we say overthink about films, we don't mean we're going to talk for fifty minutes about the fact there is this one continuous take on a steady cam. Oh no 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 no! no. We're, We're talking going about... metatextual themes. Yeah, it's like it's like that whole Philip K. Dick thing I I talked about there. There's a whole show to be mined out there talking about Total Recall and talking about Scanner Darkly and all those Philip K. Dick adaptations and like notions of multiple reality and how film portrays the idea that there are multiple realities and how. This has become something so integrated in our culture, we're not even to a certain extent consciously aware that we do it. 
And for that evidence of that, I point to the Lego Movie 2, which has three distinct layers of reality that is presented for the delectation of our children. And it never really explains them. It just happens, by all accounts. And that's just, like, if you... We have so many movies now, and culture is going in such a way that if you try to make some of the movies that are big hits now, if you tried to make them 20 years ago, nobody would have understand it understood understand it understood nobody said we'd be grammatical or have good syntax and we wouldn't just make up words we just said we'd be pretentious about it okay yeah the, essentially those movies are not understandable except in a very tight context and that's the way culture is going so yes i conclude my comment with coming soon the age of better content and it's not that our content isn't good it's just that the new content will be better and I think that's something we'd all like to achieve, right? Yes, Leo is, let's be better. And my attitude is, do I have to? <laughs> and that's our dynamic. <laughs> oh, well, what a fine metasode that was. Now, what's really interesting is that for quite a few shows over the last year, we had this whole spiel about, uh, well, we used to, right, first of all, in the first run, which is like over a hundred episodes, Ian lovingly and manually crafted an end of show spiel, which he did live in every episode. And we came back and we were in our new attitude of wanting to take the pressure off, yeah, or do less, give more. We pre-recorded a thing, which we drop in at the end. And then in the second season last year, we put some nice bedding music in it so you'd be able to tell it was pre-recorded. Um, and the thing about it was it has this whole thing about, oh, why don't you go to our Patreon and give us money and stuff. And my, my theory on this is, yeah, fine, you want to do that, you go ahead. We're not going to say no to a few dollars here and there. But more importantly, can we... Just tell us you hate us or like us. You know, like they say on YouTube, subscribe and give us a thumbs up and all that stuff. Except we're not on YouTube, but we're on. We're here well, in your ears. Go to the YouTube thing. But you tell me what you think, because I'm interested to read your comments. He said, lying through his teeth. <laughs> well, if no, to be fair, the thing is, every time we've got any feedback, we have dissected that stuff. Like, every year we've recorded special shows just to go through mails we've received. So we definitely are. Um, but, yeah, maybe on a, on a lighter tone or having a mailbag episode, like I said, somewhere, which would be postbag episodes and stuff like that. I think that's where we want to be. Um, but if people want to get started on that exciting journey and have not yet done so, where might those people who have listened to us with their ears but not know where to find us in their browser... Where might they go to know more, Ian? No, this isn't pre-recorded. Let's just tell them, say, this is where I'll... Oh, actually, you have to do all that stuff about, oh, Facebook and it's got blah and stuff in it. And we have to say stuff about it. Maybe we'll record something soon uh, about that. Um, Otherwise, I'll like put links in the show description and stuff. Oh, please, just go to a Facebook page. Yeah. Jesus, you've already found the podcast. How else you'll be hearing this? For goodness sake, just go to a Facebook page. Yeah, you page. search Revenge of the 80s, 80s as in numbers, kids, and that's it. I mean, we, we should be right there. 
we've been going for years. I mean, I'd be amazed if you couldn't find it. Um, and we also have a we also have a, a a blog which you can find by liking our Facebook page. And then, amazingly, if you click the about link, there's a link to the the archive of all the old shows. It's as if we want you to find them. It's like a really poor treasure hunt that's way too obvious. I think that that sums us up. Yeah. Yes, but like a very early Flash game, yes. Yeah, very, very early, yes. It's not so much escape the rumours, come and listen to us waffle about films. So, yeah, that's the end of this metasode. Um, we are going straight on to record our summer predictions, uh, and in fact, the likelihood is that we're going to put the summer predictions out before the metasode, because the summer predictions, they kind of have a best before date, so we want to get them out first. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to this, and we will come back to the age of better content as soon as we've worked out what better content is. Ian, final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts? Uh, uh, yes, let's let's get ultra beardy and talk about things too much and disappear our own arses. Well, we were kind of there already, weren't we? So why not? But for now, ta-ta! Bye-bye. Oh, and thanks for listening. I've realised recently we say bye-bye, but we don't say thanks for listening. So, we love you. Never says that to me. I believe we may be subject in a very short order to a pitch invasion, but let's see how that turns out. The best thing about this, year on year, with only 12 episodes per bit, is that when my son does a pitch invasion, he slowly becomes more and more coherent, in massive leaps for the folks at home. It started with not actually being able to say words, and when he comes in today, he'll be able to say, hello, and how are you, and things like that. It'll be amazing. So we'll see. It's bound to happen. Who knows when? And that's basically going to be your role, is to either tell me I'm talking complete nonsense, or to say, that pitch invasion! I have to let him pitch invasion. He wears no trousers. Just like his... Wow, Ian don't need to say that. First time ever. How are you feeling, son? Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you happy and full of energy? Yeah. Yeah? Have you done a very good job? Yeah. Yes, well, there we go. My papa. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, that's not going to come back and haunt you when you're in your teenage years. At first, I thought we'd include that pitch invasion, but for, to save his blushes, I think we possibly might not. <laughs>